0: Fraz, I read a really interesting headline the other day on the New York Times. It said that NBA Top Shot had sold $116 million worth of NFTs in the month of February. What does that mean?
1: Yeah, so it is a weird headline. Basically, what it's saying is that there is a new platform called NBA Top Shot. And what they're doing is they're selling digital trading cards. But what makes it compelling for people who are spending money on it is that it's like Bitcoin. So these trading cards, live on the blockchain. They are digital assets. And the term for this kind of digital asset, which is not quite a cryptocurrency, it's not Bitcoin, it's not Ether, but it is something which is distributed and it is something which lives on a blockchain and has many of the same properties as Bitcoin. It's called a non-fungible token, an NFT. So NBA Top Shot is an NFT of NBA moments. So
0: it sounds sort of like a trading card, but digital.
1: It is. That's a pretty apt description.
0: So people are paying upwards of a hundred million dollars a month to buy
1: digital trading cards. It's crazy, right? Literally ones and zeros. That, like, the comparison. The comparison makes sense in some ways. In a lot of ways, it's better than a physical trading card because you, you can't counterfeit them. They don't degrade. But on the other hand, at least you have something with a trading card. This is literally just ones and zeros that say, I own this moment in NBA history and that's it. And they're selling that for more than a lot of trading cards are going for. Sure. Yeah.
0: It sounds like there's definitely some FOMO built in, built into this. I guess time will tell whether it's going to be a success, but I'm aware that you've been building some really cool things around the space. I'm, I'm curious to know what it is.
1: Yeah. So I always say that in a gold rush, if you want to make money, don't mine for gold, sell pickaxes. So what we did was we did something similar for NBA Top Shot. So me and some friends got together and we built a bot for margin trading on NBA Top Shot wow. and we made some a fair amount of money off of it.
0: Yeah, well, you know, I think that would make for a really interesting episode so we can do something special this week. I can interview you. You can tell me your entire process here, you know, the challenges you guys came up against and really what what did you make and, and was it successful?
1: Sounds good. Let's get into it.
0: us. welcome to the podcast.
1: You know, can I say it's always been my dream to be a guest on the show, a real honor for me. Well, uh, you're getting interviewed by the best. So let's let's jump right into it. You built something. I want to hear about it. What did you build? So one of my friends told me about NBA Top Shot, maybe like two months before it made all of these headlines. And when he first told me about it, that these were these digital NBA moments that were, so. He, so basically what he said was they are kind of like trading cards. For NBA moments, not players, but like moments in history, like LeBron James dunks over Steph Curry or Curry hits this crazy three from from the three-point line, and they're entirely digital, I thought it was the dumbest thing I'd ever heard. I was like, you can literally get this on YouTube. Why are people selling this? And then he mentioned that it was cryptocurrency. And I was like, oh, that explains it. That's why people are throwing all logic out the window and spending this much money on it. So my first thought was, this is really dumb. But then I thought about it more over the coming week. And... I kind of changed my mind. I feel like there still is a very much speculation aspect of it. And there might be people who are buying it just so they can sell it to someone else who might buy it for more rather than thinking it has inherent value. But I think what they did, which is so interesting, is NBA Top Shot has created a system where if you look at the US dollar, the US dollar has money, has value as a fiat currency, because we have faith in the US government. Bitcoin has value as a fiat currency because people have faith in the decentralized values of the blockchain. What these guys have done is NBA Top Shot has value because of fandom. The source of fiat is, do I believe that this player is gonna be great? Do I believe that this moment is gonna be important? Do Am I a fan of this? And do I think other people are gonna become a fan of this? And once you've created this kind of model for a source of fiat, it can apply to a lot of things. It can solve a lot of problems, a lot of issues that people might have with monetizing, Right now, it seems like the only way you can possibly monetize something is by selling advertising, convincing people to buy stuff. That kind of sucks. But if you can literally participate in the upside of something by identifying it early, being a fan in it, that's a really interesting way to monetize. That's a really interesting way for creators to make money and for fans to, sh- fans to show support or something. So just from that perspective, that's when I sort of think about it more and think this is actually really interesting.
0: I know, I know you've mentioned previously, you wanted to build the pickaxe of this particular gold mine. What, what does that mean?
1: If you go to the NBA Top Shot site, it will show you the last 12 transactions on a specific card. If a card is moving quickly, those 12 transactions might be the last like 20 minutes. So in other words, like you're going to buy this card for a thousand bucks. And the only fact you know about it is how much people paid for in the last 30 minutes. You know nothing else about it. And people are putting in serious money. They're considering that this is an asset. So these are people who want to put money into this asset, like they would put money into a stock and yet they have no way of knowing how much the price of the asset has changed over the last two weeks. That's crazy. So I was originally going to make a essentially like a Bloomberg terminal for NBA Top Shot. We were going to track prices over time and give notifications and create useful tools for people who wanted to. To participate in the NBA Top shop market. So that was what our original plan was. So I hit up two of my, I hit up my friend, Brian, and Brian got me in touch with this, with his other friend, John, and the three of us were going to get together and, and hack something together. But we discovered like literally right like five minutes before we were about to start coding that someone else had made essentially what I described. So we decided not to do that, but we had another idea, which was similar.
0: Isn't it contra to say that that information doesn't exist? My understanding was because of the blockchain and what it represents, all information is available. Is, isn't it a system where every piece of information gets logged and it's accessible by anybody in the world?
1: Yeah, theoretically it's accessible by anybody in the world, but in terms of who it's actually accessible to is coders like me who understand how blockchain works and understand cloud and know how to write scripts and stuff to do that. But if you're a normal person like an nba fan who wants to participate it like, mm-hmm. are you going to like write a block a block explorer in order to figure out how it works so our original plan was just to make something which is easy to just just reduce the the learning curve to be able to get that information
0: gotcha so you saw that this uh, exact product had already been built you chose yeah. not to pursue this
1: yeah our original so we we discussed a few things we figured there are some issues with it. There are some tool- features that we can add that would make it better, but then it would, it would be like a real back and forth slugfest as far as we make this app, then these guys add this feature, then they then we add this feature, then they add this feature, and it would just and it's not even original, right? It's just a tool for this for an actual product. So for us to put this much effort into an arms race with another company. It didn't make sense. So we had another idea. Instead, what we decided to do was instead of making a tool for everybody that would make the market accessible and, and have pr- valuable information for them, we were going to make a tool for ourselves to make money off of this quickly.
0: What sort of tool would allow you to do that effectively make money off of this craze?
1: Yeah. So Brian and I sat down and what we did was we, we did a little bit of data science. So my first observation was that every once in a while I would see a listing for a card and the last 12 transactions of that card might be for like 500 bucks. And then there's one listing of it, which sold for like 300 bucks mm. and a listing that went for 300 bucks sold immediately because it's underpriced. It's severely underpriced. Brian got a bunch of previous sales data and he looked at how often does this happen? So we graphed it for one player and we found that there were maybe like 10 outliers like this and the card was moving quickly. The card was, was selling every five minutes. So If there was one outlier that was like 50% below the normal price, if you had bought it and then listed it for 10%, the the normal price, you would still be the lowest listing and you would sell it within five minutes. And so that's what we built. That's essentially what I described is a type of trading called high frequency margin trading. So Mm. we would identify low priced outliers, buy them and immediately list them. And we would only do this for cards that moved very high volume. I mean, if a card was selling one every two hours, that's, that was not something that we would get into because there are other factors that come into play. Maybe people go to sleep. Maybe there's some news. The inherent value of the card can shift. But in the course of like two minutes, three minutes, the actual value of the card is not going to change too much. So if there's outliers and we buy it and we can sell it within a minute or two, that's a quick bang for our buck.
0: I think the economics of it are really interesting. I'm also curious to hear what's the technology behind building a bot? I mean, you hear the word bot thrown around a lot and maybe it's different for the way it works um, in bot trading for shoes. And, and I'm sure it's very different in the way it works in the stock market. How does the technology or the backend work specifically in trading NFTs?
1: So the bot that we built, I guess it wasn't a true bot in the sense that there was still quite a bit of hands-on work that we did. And the reason for that is because of the terms of services of NBA Top Shot. So we had a bot that would monitor the blockchain. And anytime there was a new sales listing that was added, and anytime there was a new sales that that was made, we would add that to our data set. And then we would get notifications on new sales listings that were low outliers. But we didn't use it to automatically buy stuff from NBA Top Shot because that would have violated their terms of services, potentially got us banned, caused a lot of issues, make us lose all of our money. So we, we didn't get into that. So our bot would notify us and then we would go and quickly buy the card when we found that. But we, because of the speeds and we also looked through the blockchain to figure out the timing and when people bought stuff and when people sold it. We suspect that there were people who actually built these like true bots that were mm. buying listings, that were buying, that were, that were finding listings, and then automatically buying them through some like auto clicker. So that's... Yeah, those guys were playing with fire. Maybe they, they probably got banned. They might've lost all their money since then. Maybe they got away with it, but but we didn't do that. So
0: this is sort of the race of the bots who can build a faster bot and yeah, would have capitalized on the situation.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that was definitely a challenge that we had, especially because there were some people who were like, call it cheating if you want to, or just call it using different tactics than we were. But there were definitely people who were doing that. So the way that we were able to beat them, and in some cases we weren't, but the way that we were able to beat them was by making our not- notifier faster. So we got access to the blockchain faster than they did. And the other thing was these sort of low outliers. We found that for if the if the margin that we were making was like 25% or lower, then there wasn't too much competition. So we would usually make those plays. I think like I think like 9 out of 10 times we would successfully buy them on time. Whereas if the margin was like 60% or 70%, we almost never got them. We might get them one out of five times. And that's because there were probably bots that were very highly tuned just to tackle those ones. Talking
0: to some of my friends who also participated in NBA Top Shot, they mentioned something called market flooding. I don't know if you can speak to that.
1: Yeah, that was an issue that we faced. So originally I thought this was a guaranteed thing. I thought this, I thought like, You know, high frequency trading, we buy it, then we sell it within a minute or two, the fundamental value is not going to change as long as our margin. So as long as the margin is like this card is 20% below the last 15 or 20 sales listings, then we can list it for the lowest other second price. We can, we can still, we can buy it and still be the lowest price on the market. So then the card will sell within the next five minutes and we'll be the one who gets bought because our card is the lowest listing. And this was true 9 out of 10 times, but 1 out of 10 times, what would happen is there would be a a listing that was the lowest listing on the market and we would buy it and then we would list it for a little bit higher than it had been listed for. So we were still making that 15% margin. But then suddenly the market would get flooded with like a bunch of different cards that were also lower, that were also the same price as the new lowest listing. And this happened, what we discovered is that this happens when there's one person who has been sitting on a card for a while and maybe they've bought like 10 of them of that one card and they want to sell all of them. So they're gonna price them fairly low so that that will that card will move. Could it have also been because
0: other people had built bots that were also selling at that exact time because of some
1: particular trigger event? Yeah, that's that's very possible. Yeah. So originally I I bought a card and then I listed it for the lowest listing and I wasn't disciplined about it. I figured, you know, this is just a a small blip, but then the card is going to revert to its true value. But that didn't happen. The, the, the value remained for low for an hour. And once an hour passes, then other market events start to affect the value of the card. So gotcha. that taught me to be disciplined. So what you have to do is you have to cut your losses. If you're going to mm-hmm. do margin trading, you buy it. And if you discover that it's going that it's being flooded, you have to return the margin to the market. So if we've got the card for 20% below, we would price it back at 20% and then we would lose 5% because of top shots cut. But the, if that happens one out of 10 times, which is what it happened in our case uh, for the month that we were doing it, you're going to make money. So that's right. fine.
0: Yeah. You can't bring human discretion into a game of bots you got to be disciplined. So a common refrain you hear about high frequency trading in the stock market is that these people are just sort of artificially inflating prices. They're, they're just sucking the capital out of the system and then pumping it whenever they like. They're not really doing anything for the market overall. Do you think that criticism applies here?
1: So that was one of the reasons why, why we stopped. What we discovered is that we were in order to beat the other bots, we're going to have to put a fair amount of time into this. And we thought about it more, and we're like, "What we're doing adds literally no value to society." Now, it's not artificially increasing prices because we're buying the card and then we're listing it for the price that it's still going to sell at. But it's, or ten percent below. Yeah, we're we're still listing it for the quote unquote fair market value. We're we're identifying cards that are underpriced and we're pricing them more fairly. That's all we're doing. But that literally does nothing like creates nothing we're just a middleman who's taking a small cut for a non-service like if we didn't exist this card still would sell so Mm. yeah this just felt like literally all we're doing is taking money is making money off of this and i don't think it was harming anybody but it wasn't adding anything of value so sure we decided not to do it I think
0: honestly, from the first time I heard of it, and now, now that you've explained it, I think it's incredible because you saw a trend. You saw something that was sort of permeating into the culture and you took advantage of it. You put your own money into it and you built something. I think that's sort of what tech's all about. So it sounds like you guys were pretty, pretty cautious with how much money you put in there. But if I had whatever, like 900K lying around and I'm like, guys, take this from me, make me whatever margin you were making and then uh, return it to me. Could you have done that for me?
1: no we couldn't have so this works well for a small principal so i actually did a quick test i the first day that we built it i spent an hour i put in i think i put in like 500 bucks and i ran it for an hour and at the end of 500 bucks i think i made like seven or eight margin plays one of them was a margin, was a market flooding event so i lost money off of that one but for the other, other six i i made money so off of the 500 principal within the end of an hour i think i had about 550 bucks so in terms of actual value, like in terms of percentage, that's that's a crazy yield. I made 10% in an hour off of something which is very low risk. Literally, my value was realized within five minutes. And if it wasn't, I would cut my losses within five minutes. So in terms of percentage, that was crazy. But if I had put in like 10K, I probably still would have made like 50 bucks or 100 bucks because there aren't that many outliers on the market and the ones that are really good, you're competing with other bots. So yeah, we could have, we could have gotten, we could have made more if we had made our bot better, but there still is a a cap to how much money you could make because there just aren't that many outliers.
0: I imagine we're going to see a lot more of these sort of NFTs arise. We're still really early stages. If something like this took off again, you know, maybe it's not NBA, but it's something else. Do you see yourself jumping back into it?
1: No, I'm not going to do it again. I definitely learned a lot about the finance markets. This is something which, to be honest, I never had too much interest in. I to, to be honest, I didn't have too much interest in. But once something becomes a puzzle to be solved, once something is like, I'm going to write some code to be the best and I'm going to put my money on the line, it becomes super interesting. So I had fun and I learned a lot from it, but I... Like I said, I don't think this actually adds any value to society. I don't think this is a very useful thing to do. With that said, I think there's there are going to be other opportunities. So if there is someone who knows how to write code and wants to make money and doesn't care that it adds nothing to society, then what you can do is if there is a market that has several of these unique properties that are exhibited by NBA Top Shot, which is number one, it can be traded digitally. So there's there's the possibility for very high vault volume. So You can buy a card and sell it within five minutes. That's important. Number two, every card is slightly different. So if every LeBron card or every, if every card of LeBron dunking over Steph Curry in this game were exactly the same, I don't think this would have worked because there would have been a clear market value for this one card. The market maker essentially would have said that this card is worth 1200 bucks, and that's what people would price it at. But there was some confusion about the value of the card because each card had a serial number and the serial number greatly affected the value of the card. So there were some instances of a LeBron dunking over Steph Curry card which were worth $10,000 because they were serial number one. And there were some which might be worth $1,000 because they were serial number 1,200. So if you have a serial number, you don't really know how to price it, and that caused these weird pricing aberrations to occur. So that's another property that's important. So once you have those two properties, that's a market where this kind of high margin play could work. There are a lot of other NFTs that have come into the forefront since NBA Top Shot made their big splash two months ago. You can't employ the strategy. You know, those like NFT art things, they're one of one. Or even if they're one of 10, all 10 of them are exactly the same. So they're going to be worth the same. So you can't make a high margin trade on them, at least on the same way that we did it. I think keep your eyes out and there should be more opportunities like this that occur.
0: Well, thanks for Oz. I think that was uh, super edu- educational. I hope our listeners got something out of that. I'm sure NFTs is something everybody's going to sort of keep their eye on and there's going to be a lot of cool events that are going to
1: come up. Maybe we'll issue our own NFT for this podcast. We do have some sick album art. Yeah, and we have some quality audio content.
0: Yeah, that's right. Well, thanks for listening, everybody.
1: That's our episode for this week. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure to subscribe to us and rate us on Apple Podcasts. We would really appreciate the support. You can also follow me on Twitter at FZ from Cupertino and Visant at NextVasant. See you guys next week.